Abba Yahweh, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, thank you for this opportunity, Father, to share clarity, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Abba Yahweh, Aman. Ashu Aman, Paraklitos Aman. Pardon me. So, brothers and sisters, I'm going to, I come to, to uh, hopefully bring some clarity and an understanding. I don't, I've shared with you before that I don't have a theological degree and I don't claim to be and I don't pretend to be anything more than what I am because that would be a falsehood and and doing so would be a lie and I would be sharing an untruth and I can't do that because I'm about my father's business. But I have a great more validation in the degree that I have because mine comes from what I call HSU or Heaven Sent University. My chancellor is my heavenly father. My vice chancellor is Christ Jesus. And my guidance counselor is the Holy Spirit. And quite honestly, there are many of those that I call the theological wizards that only carry and possess book smarts and they don't have any true knowledge or wisdom because they refuse to go beyond their arrogance and receive that from God. That being said, I share this with you that Though I share some of these things that are going on in these other countries and these other places and things that are taking place here within our own nation that are very troubling to my heart and sadden me, that we have to remember something. We can find this in our adoption letter in Romans 8. And we have to remember this is a very, very important book and chapter, not that all are not important um, in God's word because everything is for our edification. Everything is for our guidance. Everything is for instruction. And they are all important. But this is for me because this is our adoption letter. This is basically a letter from God telling us that, that we're his kids and reminding us of these things and that his love for us will not be taken and cannot be separated from us. So in spite of these things that are happening to our brothers and sisters in other countries, and um, I share that with you because I'm, I'm doing a study on my brother and the hardship that was going on with there. And we in this country have no concept. But here's the important thing that we remember, that our faith in God is paramount. And in spite or despite what man or mammon may claim against us, that spiritually there is Romans 8.1, God will not, condemn and he will not stand pointing his finger and he does not accuse 
God rescues, God loves, God forgives, God cleanses. And Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And that's important to remember is that if you seek God's face, you seek his love, you seek his truth, knowledge, and wisdom in all things, there is no condemnation. And it does not matter. Hear me. Hear this. Truth. It does not matter what man or mammon may say about you or complain against you. You know truth, you know righteousness, you can stand boldly, upright, and courageously because the word of God and the Holy Spirit is your truth. And as long as you stay in truth, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does. That validation doesn't matter. This is why when I share with you, many times you will hear me say, I don't care. And validation that comes from anyone other than God, I don't care. If it doesn't come from heaven, I don't care. And I'm not saying that in arrogance or defiance or confrontationally. I'm just telling you a fact. If it isn't coming from God and his truth and his validation, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Uh, maybe for a split second or... Yeah, I like people to like me. I like them to say nice things. I want them to be that way. But if they're not, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to fall apart. There are individuals that, oh, my goodness gracious, this uh, this silly thing called the, uh, and I say the alleged, and I say that because it's true, this thing they call social media, it's not social media. There's so much negativity on there and so much derision and so much uh, separation. They're constantly deriding somebody about something. They have so much stuff about celebrities and this and that, and there's so much negativity on there. It's it's unbelievable. I go through, sometimes I'll go on to see if somebody, uh, my nieces or nephews are posting anything. And it's just absolutely despicable and there's constantly something being said negatively the the so-called media are so terrible about these things they they there's no um, there's very little positive there's so much negativity and there's so much separation and they are so condemning of people. There's some nice things that are on there. I mean, I look, my, my nieces and nephews and things, they have stuff. And my uh, my nephew, I almost said my son, <laughs> my nephew, um, posts some things about my grandnephew that are just so amazing, so proud of that, uh, remembering him from youth football and Pop Warner football and all that. Oh, goodness gracious. And now he is a university student. He's playing for big time university.
But I'm sharing this because validation from man or mammon, and it doesn't matter what your position is in society or culture. These things that are shared on, and people get so agitated with the, they fall apart when somebody unfriends them on this so-called social network that is so full of, of negativity. And, and I can remember when this thing was first becoming popular that they had, and they're still, it's still happening, but you don't hear about it anymore. Which is pretty sad or very, it should be a testament to the controlling nature of exactly what media and so-called news is doing. Children that were bullied over this uh, quote-unquote social networking, they were being bullied and people were um, putting all this all over every everywhere. You couldn't look anywhere and not see something shared about this poor kid in their school. And this became the this became a mainstay, and this was a necessity for children to be validated is that they had to have so many hits and likes and all this on this so-called social network. And if they didn't, or somebody unfriended them, they would go to pieces. They would fall apart. It's almost as if their life ended. And sadly, for some, it did because they took their own life because they were so caught up in the validation from others that they didn't even think about where the important validation come from. And sadly, their parents didn't teach them about that or they weren't raised that way. So this... And this is why I use the term alleged social networking. And when you, when you talk about socializing, you're talking about not socialism into communism. You're talking about socializing and that people come together. People gather. This is what God calls us. In the book of Hebrews, so we can find this in Hebrews 10. Let me, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to flip over to that. I went the wrong direction. But if we go to Hebrews, I believe it is in Hebrews 10, uh, 10.25, I think it is, I believe. Be there in just a second, if you bear with me, please. Pass it by a couple pages, I apologize. So if we go to Hebrews, uh, it is, it's uh, 10.24 and 25. This is important. It is important that you hear this, listen to it, and pay attention. Remember, don't just hear the words, listen to the truth. Abba Yahweh, this opportunity to share again in your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, that any that have an ear to let them hear. Hear with spiritual hearing, Father, and listen to the message. Hearing not just the words, but listening to the message. And then, Father, to your truth to the Bible, to your word, to be guided, to be taught, to be instructed, Father. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So I'm gonna share with you here in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some is, pardon me, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, brothers and sisters, we need to be urging one another. This is what it means to provoke. You urge, you you excite. It's not poking somebody with a stick or trying to goad them into something. You provoke them that way by sharing words of encouragement, sharing words of love, and encouraging and uplifting. Remember, I share a lot of things because it's truth and reality of what's going on in the world, but what's more important is the truth and reality of God's love for us and that we should have for one another. Even when I'm talking about these things that are happening that are not so positive and good, I still pray over that. I still pray for that country. It can happen to repentance. It can. And the opportunity still must be presented for them. Now, you might think, well, that's pretty strange. All these terrible things that all these folks are doing. But they're just being puppets. But we have to remember, too, that our hope is in Christ Jesus and our faith in God, our Father. And that's what we need to be aware of. and dealing with our faith in Romans 8, 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? You understand that? Paul's explaining. They say that it's hope, but if they don't see it, then they don't believe it, and they're trying to say that seeing is believing, that's basically what's being spoken here. A little different, that's Paul. But this letter to the Romans, so if they don't see it, they it can't be believed. Well, that's almost very contrary to me, but that's the way people are. People act that way. But if we hope for that, we see not then do we with patience wait for it. Wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as an eagle and the breath of God is under those wings and will lift them to lofty heights. Ah, by Yahweh. Our strength is renewed through faith in God. So for those individuals and those brothers and sisters that are in these terrible places, terrible conditions, and the reality of it is that it's happening even today. People read a lot of these things and they think that it's happening. It doesn't happen anymore. This is, this is the modern day and time. It doesn't happen. Brother and sister, it is happening now. It is happening in this very country. Maybe not to the degree as it is in other countries, but it is indeed happening. 
Brothers and sisters, we just have to be aware of it. But what's most importantly is Paul is writing here, but if we hope for that, we see not, then do we hope, do we wait patiently, in patience, wait for it. I've shared this with you before, that we put our faith and credence in things that we can't see all the time, every time. And, and yet there are those individuals that will argue against having faith in God. Well, I can't see God. How do I know God this? How do I know God that? And there's always some remark about not seeing God or being able to see God. Well, as I've shared then, I will share now. <clears throat> you don't, do you, when you take your automobile in to be serviced, either you go to a dealership or you go to your favorite mechanic. <clears throat> Pardon me. Do you stand in the garage or the service bay and watch the mechanics work on your automobile so that everything that they charge you for, everything that they claim, every bit of oil, every bit of fluid, and every turn of the wrench is accounted for? Are you able to do that? Are you allowed to do that? Well, I will answer that. It's basically a rhetorical question, and I'll answer it for you. Unless you really know the mechanic, your personal mechanic, and you've known them for a long time, you are not allowed to do that because they have insurance policies that they carry for their business that does not allow that that's done. And as I said, sometimes as in my father's case and his mechanics and my mechanics, I have known them for many years and would go in the bay and they didn't mind that I did. I was always out of the way, but I saw working and kind of walked around and talked with them and was able to see them work. But for the most part, you don't. You don't see the mechanic working on your car. <clears throat> However, you put great faith in the fact that the person is doing that work and that the exorbitant amount of money that the service bays at the dealership charge, you put faith in them that they did indeed do it and they just didn't drive your car to the back of the shop and park it back there for 45 minutes to an hour and then tell you that they did that. And then when you look on the billing, <clears throat> pardon me, you see all these check marks and everything that they allegedly did. And then they put that hour or so of labor tacked onto that and then the physical labor. So you have all these charges that are put onto the vehicle. And if you haven't paid attention to it, you should. So they charge you for the parts that were supposedly replaced. Do you inspect those parts to ensure that they are? Or do they save the old parts and show you that they were replaced? And how do you know that they're from your automobile? There are places to do that. So the point I'm making is that you put trust in them. You don't see them do it, but you trust them. You have faith in them that they do it. Trust and faith is interchangeable and it is indeed synonymous. Trust in God, faith in God. You don't see God, but trust him and have faith in him. because it is necessary and by his grace, 
are ye saved, not by anything that you've done, but by grace. Do these shops do the work for you and graciously give you your car back and say, you know what? You've been coming to us for a long time, so this one is free. You never have them do that. They're not gracious. They take that money and you don't ever see them do the work. So that's invisible. My point is that the argument that I can't see God, so how can I have faith in God? You don't see the mechanic do the work, but yet you have faith that they do it. Oh, here's another one that might get you on edge. Do you see the aeronautics individuals and the avionics technicians doing the work on your passenger plane? Do you see that it was done? Do you know that it was done? Were you able to witness him doing the work? And yet, faithfully, you will take your ticket, you will go to the boarding gate, and you will walk down that walkway and get on the plane. I've done it. I've been on military planes. and I put a little more credence with them because... I used to work avionics in the military and, and worked at an air base and would watch the things that were done and, and I observed things being done. It doesn't mean that it was all done correctly, but I saw them actively working on things. So I tended to lean more in that direction. But I walked down that walkway and got on the boarding gate, got on the airplane, flew across the ocean, Didn't ever see what was holding the airplane. My first airplane trip was across the ocean, across the Atlantic. Oh, my goodness. Never done that. But I sat by the window, and I was I was drawn to the window seat and did so. And, wow, it was powerful and awesome, scared, but great. Point being, you don't see them doing the work, but you put faith in the fact that they did the work, and you get on the airplane. You have faith in the mechanic that you don't see do the work, but you have faith in them and trust they did it. Oh, let's think about all those rivets and things that were put in those girders and the beams that are up in the skyscraper. And that elevator that goes up, uh, what, 120-some levels, 120-some floors, I don't know, some of the tallest skyscrapers. They're way up there. <laughs> and you have these buildings. There's one, what's that one in, I can't remember now, Kuala Lumpur or Dubai. I can't remember which one now has a record for being the tallest building. But you put faith in these things. You get on that elevator and you're going to go up, 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 and away. And you have faith that, that is going up. So the argument that you don't see it so you can't have faith, that, that just, see, that doesn't hold any solid, there's no credence in that for me. Because I know in whom I am believing. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that
which I have committed to him against that day. You hear that term and that phrase in many, pardon me, I'm feeling God came and put his hand on my shoulder and I'm feeling that just, But here's the thing. My faith tells me that day, and that day is the one when we are presented, we come before God, and these things that I've committed to him against that day. And what does that mean? That means that my faith and repentance and Paul also talks about being, being persuaded in the book of Romans 8, again, back to our, our uh, adoption letter. Um, Romans 8.35. <clears throat> this is very important. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Self-tribulation or distress? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We are not liked because we talk about our faith. We are not liked because we talk about God. That's not appreciated by many, many, many people. Our brothers and sisters that are going through the persecution that they go through in all these other countries, the communist countries and those that claim socialism and all that that are actually really communists, they are contrary to that their political aspirations are much more important than faith in God. And that doesn't mean that everyone that lives in those countries are all communists and they believe that way. There are many that do not. And in prayer and belief and the Holy Spirit and the guidance and the strength of the Father as is shared by my brother in China, been imprisoned by, and they talk about that, that the term that they use in many of these places against Christian believers is that they are uh, counter-revolutionaries, that they speak against the government. It's all about who's the boss and who's in charge. And that's their crime is that they spoke openly in faith and belief in God. Well, brothers and sisters, we are told that that's going to happen. But here importantly is it, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed. All the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are not, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is an important aspect of our faith, brothers and sisters. And we find that Paul is reminding all the time about that love of God. 
And we find that when he writes to the church at Ephesus and Ephesians. And this is in Ephesians 3. And he talks about Let's go to Ephesians 3 and 17. No, actually, I'm going to go to 316. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, knowing that God is in his God with us. Remember, when Jesus came, his name shall be called Emmanuel. And the angel came and told Mary that his name would be Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. Jesus, our rescuer, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us, Christ, anointed of God. by the abundant riches that God has, that he poured this out to us. And that inner man, that's the spirit within us, that, that inner, in our heart, that God is in us. Further reading of verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. Not just to hear about it, but to know it. Which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What did Paul just say there? that seeking that we understand, comprehend that this love that God has for us is beyond our understanding. And trying to figure it out with our finite mind, it is impossible to do. And it, you have these many explosions going on, so stop trying to do it. The mystery of God that he loves us so much that manifests in flesh in Christ Jesus and died for our sake because that love. And you say, how is that possible? It is possible and it's powerful. Paul reminds us always and here's the thing that the enemy tries to take away from us and that we have to remind ourselves. And he reminds us in Ephesians chapter four, actually. And Paul is trying to teach him, and he, he's talking about this. And remember, Paul had a message to those outside that were not 
that were not Jews. And there was a separation back at that time in the Gentiles, who Jesus incidentally, um, for those that didn't realize, and if you read the scripture, you'll see that it was so. Um, Jesus initiated teaching the Gentiles. And then he started collecting the disciples and made a primarily a primary focus to those people that we and I say we because as disciples we do that association first for those closest and then we spiral that circle farther and farther out so that it encompasses everyone but back in those days they had those that they called the uh, the Jews and the Gentiles and the Gentiles were any that were outside of the Jewish faith and, and the group okay and that's who, who Jesus chose Paul, Saul, to teach the gospel to. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And he's talking about the spiritual blindness because they are taking it upon themselves. They're doing things with their own mind, with their own heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto the civilness to work in all uncleanliness and with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to this deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. So, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. Incidentally, most of the letters that Paul wrote out there to these churches, you have to keep in mind that these churches were actually surrounded by Romans, by Greeks, who primarily worshipped false idols. And you also have to remember that there's a portion in where Paul is writing because they, they call them the vagabond, the vagabond Jews. And I believe we find that term as used in the book of Acts. But the vagabond Jews are those that claim to be of the Jewish faith, but yet they are not. And they do things like exorcisms and they charge for these things. All these things that they do, they charge for them. And they claim to be doing, doing it in the name of God. But they're not. And they're claiming that because they know, they've heard about God. They don't know God. They don't know Christ, but they've heard about him. And the term vagabond is because they go around claiming to do these things, 
I apologize because as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm looking for that term that was used. And, but that's what they were. And they were claiming to be, and many of these churches, the church in Ephesus and the church at Rome, they were, they were surrounded by false deities, false gods, and those that worshiped them. And what they called the vagabond Jews that would come into the synagogue claiming to be of that faith, but yet they were not. And the churches were surrounded. So Paul was writing those letters to encourage and uplift them. So brothers and sisters, I'm talking about that thing that we must do. And the thing that we must do is pray one for another, uplift one another, and as Paul wrote in his letter, encouraging that we pray for all and that we encourage all because that is good in the sight of our Lord God. And remember this too, Paul writes this, this is also found in our adoption letter that all these things that are going on, but here's, this is important. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? This is in 8, 31 and 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with, with him also freely give us all things? Brothers and sisters, his only begotten son of God, with God, is God. It's united. This is the mystery of God I share with you. He came manifest and from a great distance saw us and yet was crucified and died for us. And I share with you also, brothers and sisters, Paul talks about this in Romans 9. He's talking about those true and false. And we have, we're warned about the false teachers and Paul is trying to warn the churches about those that are claiming to be, but yet are not. And they come to these churches that are on the outskirts claiming to be, oh, we're your brethren. We're from Israel. 
we are. We are Jews. We are. And they come in and they, they're actually, they're not. So what Paul is encouraging the church is to beware of the false idols, be aware of the false deities, be aware of those that are coming and claiming to be, but are not. As Jesus did warn us also in Matthew, when he was telling us that there are going to be many that will come in his name and claim they are, but are not. So the important thing of it is, brothers and sisters, is that faith that we have is by spiritual spiritual sight, spiritual hearing. And remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. Be aware of not what we see, but what is in our heart and what God has given to us and what we feel through his love, through his grace. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers going out and coming in. Be blessed.